Thank you for tuning us in tonight. Servants for Christ. I'm Daryl Bailey. As we continue on Battles of the Bible, this is the 50th in this series. As we look at Wednesday in the Word, January the 11th, 2023, 18th of Tibet, 5783 of the Hebrew calendar. Amen. And so tonight, as we look at Daniel's interpretation of Armageddon, amen, we'll be dealing with Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 39, Daniel chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, and Daniel chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. As we look at tonight, uh, how that, you know, how many of us have ever uh, had a dream and yet we could vaguely remember what it was about? Here tonight, we'll be dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he could not remember. Uh, we'll be looking at the ram and the goat, the vision. And uh, also, as we get on in toward uh, the uh, prophecy of Alexander the Great. And so, as we look and realize that uh, Daniel uh, was a captive, uh, a young uh, captive uh, that uh, basically was captive in Babylonia, and he refuses to eat the king's food, but he prospers. He's also able, with God's help, to enter, uh, interpret the king's disturbing dream. And so we look and we begin to realize that uh, the Lord wants to do some great things in all of our lives. Amen. And so each and every one of us, when we look tonight and begin to see Daniel's interpretation of Armageddon. And so here, as we look at uh, the prophecy and the summary of Daniel, we look and we see uh, in Daniel 2 of how Babylon represents the head of gold. And we'll be talking about that tonight. The Medo-Persian, which is uh, uh, the breast and the arms of silver. Greece, the thighs of brass. The divisions of Greece, the thighs of brass. And then Rome, the legs of iron. And then the iron ankles. And later on, the feet of iron and clay. And so as it deals with uh, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, we'll be talking about Daniel 8 of the ram, the he-goat, the four horns, the little horn, and uh, how that it deals with also uh, Daniel chapter 11, where it talks about the king of the north and south of Alexander the Great. And so, as we look uh, tonight of the Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, uh, we see the overview of Daniel. Now, here we'll be talking about Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2. And uh, it'll also deal with Nebuchadnezzar's image. And uh, we'll talk about the vision of the ram and the goat. And then the silent years foretold. Uh, as well, that it will talk about some of Alexander the Great and the uh, prophecy. Now, when we see the word Aramaic, we're reminded that Daniel, along with Ezra, are some unique books in the Bible. We see that Daniel has, uh, uh, that uh, it has three main sections, uh, or six sections in Daniel, that are written in Aramaic. The rest is written in Hebrew. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 40. Daniel chapter 3, verse 31, down to chapter 4, verse 34. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, all the way down to Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And Daniel chapter 6, 
verses 2 through 29, and chapter 7. These are all done in Aramaic. The rest is done in Hebrew. Now that we realize this, why was it written that way? Well, Daniel uh, began to, uh, as he switched uh, from uh, Hebrew into Aramaic, uh, and he concluded in Hebrew, he moves the audience uh, to a recognition of a new context in which the claims of an empire had dissolved and the claims of the covenant alone remained. I'm glad that uh, the stone that came out of the mountain was that of Christ that busted away every bit of the statue that we see tonight. And I'm glad that the kingdom that we represent, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it will stand forever. And so we look and we begin to realize that Daniel begins to see the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. None of the other ones could tell the king what his vision was. They say, if you tell me the dream, I'll tell you the interpretation. But the king could not remember the dream. And he says, I want you to tell me the dream and I want you to interpret the dream. And so Daniel, from the help of Almighty God, was able to do that. As he does this, he sees this vision and he's close by. I'm glad that every one of us, when we go through life, there's a lot of folks that's busy today. They can't get their heads out of electronic equipment. And plus, our, our young folks today have been so brainwashed, they don't care about the precious life anymore. Uh, they just want to do what they want to do. They don't see any preciousness in the life. And what it's going to take is a tribulation for some of these youth, if they live that long, to make it, to get back into the spotlight of Jesus Christ. So many people got their head and their minds in so many things except what it needs to be in, and that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And they're going to miss out. But I thank God here, as we look at the empire uh, that we're going to be talking about of Alexander the Great, and how that uh, when we look in this area of Macedonia, that the Greeks are here. Sparta is here. Macedonia uh, uh, will basically, Greece will take over all this entire area except for Sparta. It, it, and so uh, as we look at this, the empire of Alexander the Great, he took on not only Macedonia, he takes on all of this over into uh, 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 Persia, India, uh, and Cappadocia, Armenia, all the way down into Egypt. Why, what a young man that had conquered the entire world and never lost a battle. And so Alexander's conquest was from 334 to 323 BC. And so tonight we'll be talking about chapter 2. On further in is chapter 7, but also chapter 8. Well, we'll be talking about chapter 2, chapter 8, and chapter 11. And so, when we look tonight, we begin to look and realize that seldom in history has there never been a more urgent need for heroes, for young men and women that uh, have a strong character. Because we live in a time of immorality, wickedness, injustice, oppression, greed, where few individuals step forth to take a stand for justice and righteousness. Daniel was born into such an environment, an age of terrible immorality, lawlessness, violence, uh, and there were little justice that was done, and yet he rose above it all. Despite the temptations, the enticements of all the different cultures, Daniel stood strong 
for the Lord. Even in the face of death, I'm glad that uh, even through the lion's den and everything, that how this statue was there, that everyone was to give homage and honor it. But I'm glad there were some that stood on the, the, the word of God, amen. And so we see the Babylonian monarch of Nebuchadnezzar, he attacks, he conquers Jerusalem, and he orders Ashpenaz, the head palace official that we talked about last time, to begin training some of the most promising Jewish captives for public service. The candidates, Daniel, Belshazzar, uh, Hananiah, Shadrach, Misha, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego, among those that were chosen. And, and so, uh, Daniel, uh, as he selected, he becomes steadfast. And I'm glad, determined not to defile himself by eating the king's food and wine. Daniel seeks permission to eat other, more wholesome food. And so, I'm glad that every one of us, as we go through uh, our test in life, Daniel suggested a 10-day test. And the results, Daniel and his three friends, they're healthier than anyone else that's eaten from the king's table. You know, if you eat the spiritual food of God, instead of all of the yuck and the garbage that's out in this world today, you'll have a greater spiritual life. You'll get down in your prayer closets. You'll get down on your knees. And I thank God you'll begin to do some great work. And so, three years later, Nebuchadnezzar declares that the four young men are 10 times smarter than all the magicians, all the enchanters in the entire kingdom. And so we realize that as this uh, takes place, we come into Daniel chapter 2 and we see the king has a disturbing dream. And so he's unable to remember his dream. He calls for all the wise men and he commands them to tell him what he has dreamed and what it means. And because the wise men are unable to do this, they're sentenced to death. And so God reveals the dream to Daniel in Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. And Daniel learns that he and his three friends are among those to be executed. And he asks the king for just a little bit more time. After Daniel and his friends pray, notice I emphasize that, after they pray, God tells Daniel the dream and its meaning. And Daniel begins to praise God, hallelujah, for the omnipotence and omniscience of Almighty God, hallelujah, because God reveals the dream. Daniel reveals the dream to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2, verses 24 through 49. And the king saw a huge statue with a gold head and a silver chest. And I thank God a bronze belly, and I thank God, thighs that, uh, and uh, thighs, uh, bronze belly and thighs, and iron legs, and feet that are clay, and smashing them the bits so that the whole statue collapsed, and so it represents four successive Gentile powers, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, and so uh, as we look and realize uh, later on in verses 44 through 45, it also we see not only of the statue, but there is a stone that will come. And of that stone, it represents God's kingdom, which will someday destroy the pagan power, praise God. And I'm glad that out of all of this interpretation, 
telling you just a, a pre-example of all that we're seeing. Daniel amazes Nebuchadnezzar with the power of God. And he worships Daniel, but don't get it wrong. He's not really worshiping Daniel, uh, Almighty God, Yahweh. No, he's worshiping uh, the God like he would many other gods uh, that he's impressed by what Daniel has been able to do with Almighty God. But he doesn't solely look to him as the only God because he's so used to every God that he reflects on that thing. And so Daniel uh, appoints, uh, is appointed the ruler over the entire providence of Babylon as well as chief over all the wise men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refuse to worship Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue and they're thrown into a blazing furnace but they survive, praise God. And Nebuchadnezzar, he, he has a second dream, which Daniel also interprets. And when the king refuses to repent, he has to live like an animal for seven years. His kingdom and sanity are restored when he acknowledges God. And I thank God, each and every one of us, as we go through life, Nebuchadnezzar builds a gold statue that's 90 feet tall, nine feet wide in chapter three of Daniel. The politicians, as the king summons all of the political leaders to attend the statue's dedication. When the band plays, all those uh, present are to bow down and worship the gold statue. All of those who refuse to bow down will be cast into the blazing furnace. And so, the faithful men of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse to bow. And so, he offers the three men a second chance, but they don't take it up. And he says, we'll burn if need be before we serve anything other than almighty God. And the king's anger, he orders the young men thrown into the furnace, which had been heated seven times hotter than usual. And I'm glad that out of the discovery of this, looking into the fire, an amazing Nebuchadnezzar sees two incredible things. The three men are still alive, praise God. And another man has joined them and he looks like a divine being, the son of the living God, hallelujah. And I'm glad that at the king's urging, the three men walk out of the fire, not even smelling the smell of smoke. Nebuchadnezzar imposes the death sentence upon anyone who speaks against God. And the three men are promoted to higher positions. And so we looked at as uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, uh, dreams continue on, Daniel interprets uh, this dream also. And I thank God. Uh, uh, as Nebuchadnezzar issues a special announcement throughout the kingdom in Daniel chapter 4, the king testifies of God's awesome power, amen. And I thank God as he sees a large tree spreading out. He sees the tree uh, trunk uh, down and uh, a messenger, a holy one, cuts down this tree, says it represents a man who will lose his mind and will live like a wild animal for seven years. And Daniel's interpretation that he identifies the tree as Nebuchadnezzar who will suffer from a divinely caused insanity due to his pride. The seven years after he acknowledges God's power, his kingdom will be restored, praise God. And so Daniel urges the king to repent and to avoid this terrible judgment. The king is corrected through insanity and uh, the pride refusing to repent. The king remains arrogant, boasting to all about his building of Babylon. As predicted, the king's given an animal's mind for seven years. And upon receiving his right mind and being restored to the kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar worships, praises, honors, and glorifies Daniel's God. But remember what I'm telling you. Only as he would any of the other gods did he do that. 
Belshazzar sees a handwriting on the wall. He calls Daniel for an interpretation. In Daniel chapter 5, Daniel's enemies plot against him. He's thrown into the lion's den. And everybody knows the story of Daniel and the lion's den, amen, and how God began to come on the scene, praise God. And so, uh, as uh, uh, the, the Belshazzar sees a human hand with no arm writing a message on the wall, he's filled with fear. He promises a great reward to any man who can interpret the mysterious writing, but no one is able to do so. Then the queen's mother advises Belshazzar to call for Daniel. And the king offers to promote Daniel to the third highest position in the kingdom if he can interpret the writing. Daniel spurns the bride, but offers to interpret the message without any cost whatsoever. And all of a sudden, Daniel contrasts the reigns of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And he testifies to God's sovereignty after being humbled by insanity. And although uh, Belshazzar spurns, he knows history. He still chooses to defy and insult God. Daniel tells the king that his kingdom will be given to the Medes and the Persians and that he will soon die. And in the attempt to escape God's judgment, the king clothes, the kings clothes Daniel in purple and proclaims him third ruler in all of the kingdom. And that very night, Darius the Mede enters Babylon, kills Belshazzar, and rules over the city. Amen. And I thank God as it moves us on further into this, we begin to realize that uh, Daniel was one of the most gifted of all of the men that there was, amen. And so we look and we begin to realize that out of this thing that we're looking at of the, of the interpretation of Daniel's interpretation of the future Armageddon, we begin to realize that here is the thing that it had, the king, what he had seen, you, O king, were watching and behold a great image that it tells us. Here we see in verses 31 to 33, uh, that we see the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron, and the feet of iron and clay, amen. And here, as we repeat ourselves, how that these dreams kind of intertwine one another, amen. The head of gold, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, 605-538 B.C. The silver Medo-Persia conquered Babylon, 538 B.C. The bronze of, of Greece defeated Medo-Persia in 331 B.C. And the iron Rome overcame Greece by 168 B.C. And then we see also later on that there is iron and clay mixed together. These four metals uh, that it talks about. And so uh, the odd mixture of the feet and the toes, partly of iron, partly of clay, and what did Daniel say the mixture of iron and clay meant? The kingdom shall be divided. And so the feet of iron and clay, the present day Roman Empire. You know what? The Roman Empire just kind of vanished, but it ain't never been dissolved. When you look at Europe, when you see Russia, when you see everything uh, about Persia, all of that is still the Roman Empire. Every bit of that is the Roman Empire. And so it is still in existence. And today, as everybody, even Governor Kemp is getting ready for uh, the important meeting out in the Swiss Alps that they do every January of all the people that are concerned about the one world order of bringing everything together. And see, we see today, AD 476 and of today, that this is the current situation that we're still in today. The feet of the iron and clay. Remember, of the ten 
uh, configurations that during the time of the Antichrist and during the tribulation, those 10 countries will come together. And uh, uh, Antichrist will overtake three of those countries out of the 10. It'll leave seven, and he'll do his worst of all that he's going to do during the time of the tribulation period. The 10 kingdoms uh, that, as we refer to uh, here, of each one of these uh, kingdoms uh, that we're talking about. Now, as we look at this and begin to realize that uh, of the things that are going to transpire uh, of these kingdoms, uh, we'll be looking. We know that the four was the Babylonian, the modern-day Iraq, the Medo-Persian, the modern-day Iran, uh, the Greek of Greece to Syria. And then you've got your four secondary nations that are identified in the book of Ezekiel. Amen. That Ezekiel goes on to include the four other nations. When you read Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 1 through 4 and 5 and 6, Persia, that's already been included in the previous ones, but also the image of the beast of Revelation 13. And so we see Cush of Genesis 10, 6. That is Ethiopia, probably eastern Sudan and East Africa. Put of Genesis 10, 6. Put corresponds to the modern day Libya. Gomer, Genesis chapter 10, verse 2, which is... Uh, corresponds to Ukraine province of the portion of the former of USSR, and Beth Tagarma, uh, Oso, which is a uh, province of Armenia in the southwestern portion of the former USSR and far eastern portion of Turkey, northwest part of Iran. All of these, uh, as we look at the, the signs of how the, these ones that come together of these kingdoms will be of a German-Russian uh, ancestry uh, that... Uh, the Antichrist will come out of those nations and out of those areas. And just before the seventh week begins, other words, right at the very beginning when the church is raptured and the tribulation begins, that is just before the seventh week begins, The basically the uh, 70 uh, 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 times uh, of, that, of that week, uh, where we're talking about the tribulation coming in and how that first nation is Persia, Iran, Ethiopia, the second, Libya, the fourth, Gomer, and uh, the fifth, Turkey, and the sixth, Magog, and uh, Russia, and of the Soviet Union. And so here we begin to look and realize that here we're seeing prophecy that are being fulfilled every single day because the European Union is made out of the symbol of uh, the lady that is on the bull uh, of Revelation with the stars. And that is exactly what has been transpiring across the nation, especially if you ask Prince Charles what he was doing the other day with all that uh, gimmick that they got going on. And so we see that the iron and the clay is what America and the rest of the world is going to be coming to because they're going to be the new world order. And that is what's transpiring. That is what's trying to change America. And they started with the minds of our children. And they've already changed them. And they have already been changed. And so all of your millennials, all of your ones, if you ask them any question about things, they are not going to be on the same page that the Bible is because they've been influenced. And so in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel sees the rise and the fall of these empires, the four fantastic beasts that emerge from the sea. And so, he looks uh, quickly at the line of the prophecies in a night vision. He sees the great sea. He lashed, lashed by the winds as he watches four fantastic animals begin to rise up out of the water. And uh, first, 
the line, the the uh, eagle's wings, and a second uh, like unto a, a, a bear, and so another uh, like unto a leopard, and the fourth beast uh, like a dreadful, uh, terrible uh, ten horns of Daniel 7, 7 that we see. The ten horns of the fourth beast representing Rome. Rome that had ten horns that did uh, uh, as it represents. The ten horns are ten kings who arise from this kingdom. And the ten horns of Daniel 7 represent the same. And so the four medals of Daniel 2, symbol of the kingdom of these that we've already talked about. The iron and the clay, the ten kingdoms, the one world order. Daniel 7 of the four beasts of the Lion of Babylon, the bear of Medio Persia, leopard of Greece, the fourth beast of Rome, and the ten horns, the ten kingdoms. But remember, those that are close by, the Antichrist will overtake the three nations, and he will take over the three nations that will leave the seven nations of the iron clay nations that will come together with the Antichrist to form the ten kingdoms uh, during that time. And so, as we look and begin to realize that Daniel, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces, consume all the kingdoms and it shall stand forever inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure because tonight we call it the interpretation of Daniel's Armageddon. And so, the dramatic end and the new beginning. What happened to the image in the closing scene of the vision? And as much, it break into pieces, amen. And so, the fallen stone, the destruction of the image point to the end of the long human struggle for the control of the world. A new world is to rise from the chaos. And I'm glad that the, uh, as uh, Albert Einstein warned, one world or none, a new world order is precisely the message of Daniel but who will fulfill the global dream? And I'm glad that the world leaders will attempt to set up a new world order to bring peace and safety. Will it last? And in the days of the king, God of heaven uh, will, uh, will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. I'm glad that he tells us in Daniel 2, 44. Amen. It'll never be destroyed. Amen. And it shall stand uh, forever. Amen. That is the stone that was used out of the mountain, praise God, which is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Hallelujah. The stone that fills the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's everlasting kingdom, praise God, that we're on the solid rock foundation. I'm going to speed it up because of the sake of time. But here we see, as it goes back into verse 31, the great image and how that we talked about it. The image head, the breast, the arms, the belly, that we talked about of Nebuchadnezzar's statue. All of this we've reiterated, we've reiterated. And I'm glad that as we see it, his legs of iron. We see that Alexander's conquer uh, that will come eventually on into uh, later into the 8th uh, chapter and the 11th chapter. Actually, specifically the 8th that we'll get into it. But just reiterating the King James that thou sawest that till that a stone was cut out without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. You can set up a one world order across this nation all you want to. The church is going to be raptured out, but when it comes down to the final thing, the Lord, that stone of his kingdom will smash everything else to pieces. Praise the mighty name of Jesus.
And so, as we look and realize that uh, Alexander the Great uh, was one of the youngest, uh, the conqueror, uh, and, and, uh, and so he was a son of King Philip II of Macedonia, king of Macedonia upon his father's death in 336 BC. And so he had one of the most massive armies that there ever was, amen, that we're going to get to a little bit later. But I thank God, then the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broke into pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smoked the image became a great mountain filled the whole earth. And so we see this is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. I'm glad this is Daniel's interpretation of Armageddon. And so as we look and realize thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thy hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, Rome. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of, of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. When you get through with all of the lineage of Alexander the Great and with his death, and his generals that divide up and begin to go in different portions. That is the story as we are today for the one world order. And so as the feet were part of the iron and part of the clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And so Alexander, his conquest, a great man, uh, the youngest and never defeated in battle. And so he says, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And so, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And so, you need to look at getting on board with Jesus Christ before it's too late. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation again thereof sure. I'm glad that we know our future church and we know what's ahead for us. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, worshiped Daniel, commanded that they should offer an oblation, other words, worship and sweet odors unto him. And so the king answered unto Daniel and said, of a truth is that your God is a God of gods. Notice how he says that. He don't really respect him as the almighty God, only God, but he respects him as, as he worships all the other gods. And a lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou 
couldest reveal this secret. And so, then the king made Daniel a great man, gave him money, uh, great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governor over all the wise men of Babylon. And so, then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now, as I've told you, how every bit of this, I've outlined it, how it transpires. Daniel 7 is the vision of the four beasts. Now, we're not getting into that, but notice our directions, north, south, and west. And here we see the Persians and the Medes of chapter 8. For one horn and the uh, how that it's two that come together as one. Here we begin to realize that uh, here's Jerusalem, here Babylon. And basically here is, back on up in here is where Alexander the Great, where Greece is going to be, that they will come in and take over everything and beat uh, out the Persians. And, uh, and so what a great battle that will take. What is, what is yet to be, Daniel 8 and 9, chapter 7 of the four beasts, chapter 8 of the he-goat and the ram. And so the Greek empire of Alexander the Great of chapter 8, uh, here is the four generals that take on after Alexander dies and they split it up into four areas. Somebody said, who's going to be the one that gets the power? And Alexander said, whoever is the strongest. And so these four generals fight for 40 years over the different parts that Alexander had conquered and taken. And so in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. The first vision uh, is in chapter 7. The second vision is in Daniel chapter 8. Now, I thank God as we look and realize that I saw a vision and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in a vision and I was by the river of Ulai. Daniel's second vision. Here we see Shushan and the Ulai River in this area here. That this is the dream that Daniel began to portray and see the place of the vision uh, of the fortress. Susan, the chief capital of Persian Empire. The fortress is not part of the city, but used for the city itself. The province of Elam by the river of Ulai, uh, flowed by Susan, uh, and a man-made canal, 900 feet wide, which connected two rivers, uh, the Choaspes and the, the Coapres. And so here is that uh, fortress uh, of it, the royal city the Ulai Canal and the lower city, all of this uh, that's uh, still uh, there uh, as a picture of it today. And so I lifted up my eyes and I saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And so, and I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him. Neither was there any that could uh, deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. Now, as we look at this and begin to realize that uh, of, of this dream made man uh, that we're looking at here uh, as uh, 
within uh, the history itself, uh, we begin to look and see the vision and the explanation of that vision, amen. A picture of the rulers in the end time that are denying the Lord and they're trampling God's people underfoot. And so, as we look and realize that of these nations, the time of that vision, uh, from here to the end of the book, the language goes to Hebrew, not Arabic. The vision and the time of the vision, the third year of Belshazzar's reign. This is two years after the vision in chapter 7. Listen, both chapter 7 and 8, they're chronologically precede the events in chapter 5. Therefore, the vision occurred shortly before the night of Belshazzar's fatal feast. The place of the vision, Shushan, the palace, and uh, as we see, the province of Elam by the river of Ulai, and uh, that flowed by Susan, a man-made canal. And literally one ram, two horns on the ram, Daniel lifted his eyes up, and Daniel is awake during this entire revelation and interpretation of this dream. The ram is an emblem of the princely power that refers also in Ezekiel chapter 34, which I'm still studying on Sunday nights. And uh, Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 18, the higher horn speaks of the supremacy of the Persian element. And the higher horn came up last. The two horns symbolize the people, the country of the Medes and the Persians. The higher represents the Persians under Cyrus. These Persians who lived during Babylon's destruction of Assyria were raised among the Medes. Head down, the ram is pushing, button his way westward, northward, and southward. Rapid conquest of Darius and Cyprus. But he doesn't push eastward. Not until Darius did the Persians make any eastern conquest. And these had no lasting value. And so the greatest Medo-Persian conquest, the west, Babylon, Syria, Asia Minor, the north, Armenia, and the lands about the Caspian Sea, the south, Egypt, and Ethiopia. Do they all sound familiar? I believe they do. Because they're all the future of Armageddon that is coming before us. No beast could stand before him. No kingdom could resist his power. According to his own will, conquered as he wished, overwhelmed those he chose. No one could deliver out of his hand. And so, the vision of the conquest of Daniel chapter 8, the ram and the he-goat. Here we see, as I was considering, behold, and he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with Kohler against him and smoked the ram and break his two horns and there was no power in the ram to stand before him but he cast him down to the ground and stepped upon him and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand hmm. therefore the he goat waxed very great and when he was strong the great horn was broken and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven and that he goat attacks the ram angrily. The he-goat represents the Grecian Greek Empire. Fitting symbol of power, notable horn, refers to Alexander the Great, and on the face of the whole earth, and touch not the ground, the Maccabees. They went through uh, times of this. And so we see Macedonia. We see Alexander the Great, his father, Philip II, uh, during this time, here over in uh, the areas of Persia. Uh, and we remember the leopard's four wings in chapter 7, the rapidity of the victories that's reconciled in history. The goat comes near the ram, signifies the conquest of Alexander the Great over the Persian Empire, 
the seat of the ram's power, complete overthrow. And so here we see the defenseless uh, before the he goat. And according to history, by the time that he was 33 years old, Alexander the Great had conquered the known world and then he died. And the height of the he goat's great strength, his noble horn is broken. The four noble horns come up in its stead, which was the four uh, uh, leaders and generals that were uh, divided up the lands of Alexander. And the horns break and symbolize the death of a mighty young conqueror, Alexander. The divine providence part in the breaking and the four notable horns replace the one single horn. The horns represent the four kingdoms in which Alexander's empire is broken. The generals, again, that go out the, uh, over Macedonia and Greece, Trace, Syria, Babylon, and over Egypt. Uh, originally, they were five, but Antigonus was soon overthrown. And so the four winds, the four points of the compass, north, south, east, and west, the vast empire founded by Alexander was dispersed to the four winds, just as we've been telling the, uh, all about the battles of the Bible here from the book of Daniel and that little horn at, that was trodden underfoot of the sanctuary. And so came out of them of the four horns, grew exceedingly from a small beginning, grows to great power, greatness toward the southeast and the glorious land and designation of the land of Canaan or the promised land of Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 6 and Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 19. I've got to pick it up because I'm just about out of time. And so I'm going to have to move through this very quickly. I'm not going to really get into a lot of this right now, but this is a, a, a lot of prophecy that came of Antiochus uh, that came and uh, put a hog on the altar and defiled it. And so I'm going to try to move right through this during the time of the Maccabeans, amen, and get through this because as we look and realize that uh, this is something that of the little horn that uh, uh, that we've talked about it and it's pretty uh, understandable and I'm not going to really spend as much time as I thought I was on it, but get right into the vision, the voice and the length passed from which is seen to that which is heard. Daniel hears a holy one, an angel speaking in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 12. A second angel addresses the first one, sought the answer, the length of the vision of what? The continued transgression which desolates the giving up of both the sanctuary and the host of the trampling. And so the time period, 2,300 days, and the temple will be cleansed. 2,300 evening and morning, literal or figurative. If literal, the days refer to the history of Antiochus Epiphanes. And if literal, covers six years and four months, a period a little short of seven years. And so, return from Egypt in 171 B.C., death in 164 B.C., and abominations lasted until 165 B.C. And so, uh, here we see a persecution of a definite period of time in Daniel chapter 8. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man, seeking the explanation. And in seeking the explanation, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, which who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Here we see Gabriel's interpretation, the vision, the end time, the latter time, the appointed time of the end, the ram of the Medo-Persia, the goat of Greece, and the four divisions of this generals, the little horn, described but not identified. And so, why? Because it's the Antichrist. And so, evening and morning, the truth is sealed to the many. I'm glad that there'll be 144,000 that will go across uh, the, uh, the entire time of the tribulation, along with the two witnesses that will take the gospel uh, to those. They're true, they're sealed, and there's 144,000 of them, and they will do the word of God 
uh, during the time of the future of Armageddon and during the time of the tribulation. And I'm glad. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end, the Armageddon. And so now as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and stood me upright. Gable. And he said, look, I'm making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation for at the appointed time, the end shall be. And so Daniel was beholding the vision. He sought an explanation. Suddenly there appeared an angel in the form of man. And Gabriel, uh, commanded by God to interpret the vision for Daniel and the authoritative voice, the identity of the man's voice. Clearly this was a message sent from God himself. And Gabriel, this is the only Old Testament book that names angelic beings. And Gabriel, Daniel chapter 8, verse 16, Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. We know that he stood in God's presence. Luke chapter 1, verse 19, and verse 26, Jude 9, Michael the archangel. Nothing more is known of him, and he's mentioned only as bearing messages to Daniel, to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and Mary. And so, uh, the direct contact with the heavenly being brought great fear and dread. And so I'm going to try to speed this along because I'm just out of time in, uh, of, of Daniel's loss of consciousness of interpreting this, trying to get us through as it talks about the latter times, a man of God's interpretation. Uh, as I look, the ram with two horns, the king of Median Persia, the cess of kings of the kingdom, uh, the he-goat and the single horn, he's the king of Greece. First king is Alexander the Great as represented by the notable horn. Broken horn refers to Alexander's death and then we see the four kingdoms that arise from Alexander's one empire. Therefore, out of a nation, not the, where the great horn once ruled, will come four empires, but not equipped with the strength of the first king, Alexander the Great. Never equal in power like that which Alexander enjoyed during his time. And so, as I move right on quickly to get through this, uh, the, uh, uh, introducing uh, the future of the proper inter uh, inter interpretation the hand was unyielding and insolent. And as we look at this, uh, we see uh, the understanding of all of this, amen, uh, that uh, as disguising the purpose for this, we see a proper interpretation that uh, this king can only be, uh, of course, Antiochus uh, Epiphanes, which is the one that violated the, uh, the altar uh, during the time of the Maccabean period. But I'm glad uh, as we look at all of this back history, we also see the Antichrist coming and doing the same thing in the future days during the tribulation. And so this is something that has transpired, but there's also the things that are going to take place during the tribulation period itself. And so the Antichrist will get his strength from Satan. And uh, as we look uh, through this, words and pictures can tell a thousand things. If we go and see the seal up of the vision and the vision of the evening and morning, which was told is true, therefore seal up the vision. For it refers to the many days in the future that's going to be unfolding. And so this is the seal and the truth and for the future that the vision of evening and mornings, the part of the vision that was spoken and heard, John was given the opposite command about his vision. Revelation 22.10 and solely declared to be true would not occur for many days in the future. This is because it's prophecy. And I'm glad more prophecies is being fulfilled each day. Daniel was told to shut up the prophecy. And so we see, I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I rose, went after the king's business. I was 
astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. And so, uh, as we look, Daniel was totally exhausted. He had heard about difficult days that were ahead for his people, and he was without understanding of the vision and application. Nations not yet risen, events that had not yet transpired. And Daniel will claim to understand Jeremiah's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. And I thank God. Again, we see the various ones of the kings of the south, the kings of the north, over the, the, the past days of that have transpired. And how that uh, this defilement took place. Rome, the ten horns. What did I say earlier? The little horn is the Antichrist. And so, three fail out of what? The ten configuration nation. And he consumed the three. And then the other seven nations, along with the Antichrist of the little horn, will be the ones that will be taking place and controlling everything. And that will surround the nation of Israel, the battle of Gog and Magog, eyes and mouth larger than associates. And so we see, uh, trying to uh, get on uh, beyond this, the king of the north, Daniel 11, and that is the prophecies of Alexander the Great. And I'm glad as we look and realize the similarities of these, the two kingdoms of Greece, how that all of this transpires of the ones that came out of Alexander the Great's strength of his four generals and the future of past kings that we see. Daniel 11, And now will I shew thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the rim of Grecia. Now as we look and begin to realize uh, here in these things that God wants to tr tremendously bless us, and he wants us to give us uh, something that no one else has. Here we look at Daniel 11 and the most amazing details about the great empires of that time of Alexander Great's empire and the divisions after his death that have been uh, predicted, amen. And so as we look and re realize fulfilled prophecy in Daniel, uh, such as the 70-year prophecy of Jeremiah and the 70 weeks prophecy indicating the year of the appearance of the Messiah, that were fulfilled exactly as they were predicted. And we can have confidence that God has also provided the details found in this prophecy in Daniel 11, long before they ever took place. And so the prophecy of Daniel 11 have taken place precisely as God predicted. The comparison of history, how that the end time king of the north and the end time king of the south are yet to be fulfilled. These unknown portions of the prophecy have been sealed until the time of the end according to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. And I'm glad of the Medo-Persian Empire to be conquered by Greece. And uh, Alexander the, the Great's empire is divided. And I'm glad that the king of the north refers to the Seleucus ruling north of the Holy Land. And uh, the king of the south of the Polymene, who ruled from Egypt south of the Holy Land as well. And so, and the mighty king shall stand up that shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven and not to his posterity, nor according to his dominion, which he had ruled for his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others besides those. Even as we look at, at Antiochus, 
uh, and as we talked about all of this in the past, uh, and uh, how these two generals that ended up down uh, of during the time of Daniel and the the battles that they had went through out of these four generals that were divided up of Alexander the Great's that uh, have taken place. 40 years of battling that it transpired of all of these ones. And so the north and the south, Syria and Egypt, that goes on into uh, these many, uh, king of the south and uh, king of the north, amen, that have fought these battles uh, in Daniel chapter 11, amen. And I'm glad that one of these days, the king of king and the Lord of Lord, because not only Daniel, but practically all the Bible prophets tell us that God's kingdom will come and this is one of the great certainties of the future. I'm going to tell you, do you have a place in the everlasting kingdom? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Because I'm going to tell you, each and every one of you, when we look tonight and begin to realize all of the wonderful things that God wants to do in our life, amen. Hundreds of years before Alexander began his conquest, God allowed Daniel to see into the future. The Greeks would someday rule over what at that time was the Babylonian Empire. When it finally came to pass, it looked as though Alexander was in charge, but only God has the power to remove kings and to set up kings. And he used the Greeks to establish a unified language for a large portion of the world, which allowed the word of God to be recorded so that all people could read it. That is what I'm trying to tell you tonight. And so, the missionaries were able to speak to people in device, device per, uh, diverse parts of the world. And through Alexander, God prepared the way for the message of Jesus to be proclaimed to much of the known world. And so, as we look and realize that of all the things in the book of Daniel, as we turn over uh, from Daniel 8 to Daniel 11, that how that all of the fulfilling that has transpired of the word of God and of the visions that Daniel uh, begin to tell us, amen. Here we look and we begin to realize that here is one of the best uh, things that we could ever have in the coming days because God is going to give us, as Daniel explained to the king in those days, I'm glad that nothing will break or ever take away the kingdom of God because what did I say earlier? It will last forever. And so I'm glad of the confirmation of the wars between those generals on into the future days that they begin to transpire of everything that begin to happen. The king of the north of Syria, Antichrist, the victories over the king of the south of Egypt, and of all of the, the ones that have done battle. I'm glad that uh, uh, as God gives us the greatest blessing, when we get ready to leave one of these days, God knows exactly what we need before we need it, and at the time that we need it, amen. And so I hope and pray that as we get ready to go our separate ways uh, tonight, that you begin to look and ask God, do, do I have a place in the kingdom? Am I ready when he comes back for me? Because each and every one of us, as true believers, we will be persecuted. Any person who seeks to obey God's commandments, to live rightly and godly, will be opposed by the wicked ones around on this earth. The righteous life of the believer exposes the wicked behavior of the unbeliever. And the wicked will stand against the person who truly seeks to follow the Lord. But I thank God. The Lord says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. 
but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak, for it is not that uh, not uh, ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And so I'm out of time. Father, we thank you tonight for all that you're doing. And we ask you, God, that you just take the precious word of God, Lord, that we've spoken tonight. Speak to someone's heart and give them, Lord, your wonderful salvation from on high. We thank you, Father, for this great privilege to speak on the word from the book of Daniel and from Daniel's interpretation of Armageddon of the future days in Jesus' marvelous mighty name. Go and seek the lost that they might be found in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.